trust that there's a, there's a fresh word, there's fresh manner each and every time we, we have the privilege to share God's word. And so even before Hercules, I was a bit presumptuous probably, but even before he asked me to, um, to come and preach today, um, I thought of if I should preach. Um, what would be on the Lord's heart and immediately drop something that Edna, word Edna, my wife, gave to me at the beginning of this year. Before I tell you what it is, have any of you guys ever been, ever followed the Lord into a pressure cooker? Into a tough situation, into a tough season? By the show of hands, who's ever been led by the Lord into either a desert, a pressure cooker, or a situation that you did not understand? It did not make a lot of sense to you. Great stuff. God constantly leads myself and, and my family from one to the other. But in that he is, he is so faithful. And so at the beginning of the year, um, I was experiencing a lot of pressure. Who's ever sensed some spiritual pressure? I guess we're all mature believers here. We've all sensed some spiritual pressure now and again. Not knowing how to do this. As, the, as they say, between a rock and a hard place. And so at the beginning of the year, I was in such a place um, with promises that the Lord has given me, things that he's spoken to me, and yet I've not seen the rain, I've not seen the breakthrough, I've not seen the stuff come to fruition that God has been speaking to me for a number of years, and I really physically experienced the pressure. Like, Lord, we're entering a new year, a new season, and I know all these things that you've been saying to me in, in, in an intimate place with you daily, and, and, and I guess it's almost like a, a lady being pregnant and being nine months, nine plus months, thinking, well, how long is this pressure going to last, Lord? When is this going to be some breakthrough? So I said to Edna, Edna, you need to pray. And so I usually ask, Edna, please pray for me. But this time I'm like, you need to pray. Um, because I don't know how I'm going to I'm gonna do this. And um, I think I, I again went to her and said, in other words, have you prayed? Um, and then she came back and she just got scripture. And she gave me the following scripture. Out of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18. Um, and I believe that is what I want to share with you guys. So I come today, I come this morning from a place what, for what God has done with me and how he's spoken into my life. But it might be applicable to you as well. We're going to break that open. And so I'm, I said to her, please pray for me. I need to hear from the Lord what is cooking. Um, and, I, and she gave me this scripture, Jeremiah 18. I want us to break that open this morning and see how the love of God um, can just stir our hearts and come and encourage us. Who needs some encouragement this morning? Anybody? Two of you guys. Okay, cool. The rest of you can relax, but the three of us are going to get some encouragement this morning out of scripture. Now I'm joking, hopefully all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 18, please read with me. The parable of the potter. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down at once to the potter's house. There I will reveal my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house and there was there he was working away at the wheel. But the jar that he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hand. So he made it into another jar as it seemed right for him to do. The word of the Lord came to me. House of Israel can... I not treat you as this potter treats his clay. This is the Lord's declaration. Just like clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. And so immediately, obviously, God was speaking to me. And I realized, oops, okay, great. I need to just realize that he's trying to say something to my heart and, and where I am at. Now, 
before we look at the scripture in, in a more personal way, just in context, what, what happened here? It is God speaking to his people, Israel, in the Old Testament through his prophet Jeremiah. And he's saying, what he's doing is illustrating the message that God has for them. Jesus did it the whole time in parables. In other words, I love pictures. Who likes pictures and visions? I love them. Because I'm childlike. And he just explains stuff, stuff to me of the Lord. And so he's using a picture in context and saying, Hey Israel, this is how we relate. Please do not forget this. You might be questioning a couple of things and you might be hard pressed. I see you making your own plans and you've got your own ideas running. But just remember, and as he does, does that, he illustrates his relationship with him. So God just tells them, Israel should turn from its own plans and its stubbornness of heart. And so if you go read the rest of that passage, you'll see that he's just challenging him. Hey man, you need to be careful of the stubbornness of your heart and you be careful of your own plans. Who's ever been challenged by that? Bunch of honest people in here. It's awesome, awesome. And so that's the context for Israel, and they need to heed, because if they do not heed, there's consequences. And um, that's, to who does that seem quite harsh? Just to Edna. Okay, great. But th- for the rest of us, I then had to just go sit down and say, okay, Lord, how do I apply this to my life, and where and what area does this apply? And how does it apply? Um, because we need to correctly, obviously, take scripture. We can't just prophetically, willy-nilly, take something out of Leviticus and make it my own. moment that Edna has the newborn, we're not seven days later going to get two white turtle doves, bring it here to Heracles and say, please, please, let's just sacrifice this to the Lord. Because that obviously happened in the Old Covenant. It happened in the Old Testament. But we're not doing that. And so we need to correctly apply the scripture to our lives. We're going to do that just now. And maybe the Holy Spirit, just something revealing about God to you this morning. Just quickly on, on potters and, and clay, what is the attributes, if you, if you can just help me out, what's the attributes of, of clay? What comes to mind? Um, soft. soft, yes. Malleable. Malleable, yes. Anything about clay? Messy. messy. Like that, I like that. It's messy. Clay is a bit messy. Edna loves our kids to play with clay in the house. I'm sure <laughs> Milani loves it even more at her home. Not really, eh? At the school, yes, yes. At the school. And so what is the attributes of, uh, of clay? It needs water for it to be clay. It needs, I haven't thought of that. It needs water to be clay. Anything else? There's lots of things. It becomes hard and brittle. Now, obviously, we can, we can draw the lines here. We can, we can draw the parallel lines here of our own hearts. Anything else that... It all... That's brilliant. We should actually just stay here. <laughs> we should just skip the rest of the, the sermon. This is good. Okay, so you need to smack it when the, for the bubbles to come out. I don't, don't, re, don't record that part. <laughs> you need to hit it. <laughs> oh Lord <laughs> Now I like the couple of things I just said it's formless Clay is absolute formless It's got some type, type of form But it's actually formless Clay is not in control It's messy And it's not worth much 
just a lump of clay is not worth, worth much as is, as is a can of paint or a couple of, unless some brilliant artist takes it and, and throws it on a canvas in a very brilliant way, the paint itself is not worth much. Likewise with the clay. And so God is saying something to Israel. And then on the other side, just quickly help me out again, the hands of the potter, the potter, what would you say would be the attributes of the potter? Creative, yes, absolutely, creative. Strong, I like that. Strong. What else? What? What? Skilled, yes. That I actually wrote down. Persistent, yes. Patient. Seems, seems like a bunch of parents speaking. Patient, persistent. Would be willing to start over, yes, and faithful. Amen. And so... So I said, you're in control, skillful, hands-on, knowledgeable, and trusted. Remember that word, trusted, because I believe that's what the Holy Spirit, at least for me, is hovering on. And so, coming back to the application in my life, what stood out for me about Jeremiah 18 and these couple of verses were the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. God is absolutely sovereign. I was so blessed, Laura, by what you said and the way in which you came to the worship this morning with the heart that you came saying the hands of Christ being in control in your life and it was just so beautiful it was just such a blessing for me to say yes you had plans you had plans for today but he said no this is my plan his hand came sovereignly and said no this is what I want to do and so I want to bless you and honor you for listening to the Holy Spirit and doing exactly that who's ever been challenged by the sovereignty of God Come on, honest. A couple of honest people. Hallelujah. Yes, absolutely. Hercules referred to a, a, season of, a season of our lives where we were about three and a half years without income. Five years in Malmesbury, quite close to Paul, where our brother and sister is from. And, and it was just a crazy, crazy season. I'm going to share about that just now. But we were so challenged by the sovereignty of God. Is He who he says he is. Is he who he says he is in the word? Now just quickly, what is sovereignty? It is authority, I wrote down, authority, rule, power, control, dominion, and autonomy. There the Greek word, you can go, it's about three slides down, I think. There you go, thanks. Basilia is uh, the Greek word, probably don't pronounce it correct, um, forgive me for that. But in, the definition is, is just the following, it's kingship. Authority, rule. Who likes, who likes rule in their life? You, want, you like rule in your life? Not much. Me neither. Honestly, we don't. It doesn't come naturally. Am I right? It doesn't come naturally. Yes, so it's kingship, authority, rule. Both in the world and in the hearts of men. Hence the kingdom of God. And so what struck me in the scripture was the sovereignty of God. Saying, hey. Hey guys, just... Just remember, I'm the potter and you're the clay. And so, that really spoke to me and I worked through it with the Lord. But, the sovereignty, being the highest authority, I've just realized in, in just the preparation of this message, is, is two things in, in the culture we're in. It's firstly, it's counterintuitive. In other words, it goes against what the flesh wants. The sovereignty of God is counterintuitive. Or at least for me, it has been and God has graciously... Slap me, slap the bubbles out of me, as Edna would say. And so, firstly, it, it's offensive to the flesh. If you should get on the tube and put on a t-shirt, God is sovereign, man, you'll, 
you'll get, get some lip, I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure, but you'll probably know. But it will be counterintuitive to the, and offensive to the flesh to say God is sovereign. And furthermore, it's also countercultural because what, is, what does our culture teach us? R.C. Sproul says the following. He says, most Christians salute the sovereignty of God but believe in the sovereignty of man. It's just, it sounds so simple, but if that should apply it in my life, I can be careful. I can, I can preach the sovereignty of God, but do I live the sovereignty of man? Wanting to be in control, wanting to do my own thing, having my own stuff, and etc., etc. Now you might ask me, Ritif, now where is the encouraging part going to come in? This all sounds a bit, bit hardcore. I believe Christ came, and through exactly what we, we're celebrating this weekend, He came to, to break open, through love, a beautiful picture of the pot and the clay for us if we look in the New Covenant, which we're going to do just now. So, just bear, bear with me for a moment. I believe Christ is going to encourage us um, and bring us into the realization, if not yet, that the sovereignty of God is a beautiful love. The sovereignty of God is, is a beautiful love story. It's not hard. Religion might have taught us. Religion and, and a bunch of other stuff might have taught, taught us wrong in, in some, some cases. But the bottom line is, is that sovereignty of God is actually very beautiful if we let Christ break that open for us. In the Old Testament, just by the way, there's another scripture... I then went to go look it up about the potter and the clay. He says in Isaiah 45 verse 9, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? What are you doing? Who's ever experienced that in marriage? What are you doing? Ian, I like that laugh, man. Thanks. There's honesty from the sound booth. Praise the Lord. It happens, guys. It happens. What are you doing? And so we're in a, in a culture where you're like, what the heck? And yet we're the sovereignty of God. And when we catch His heart and understand what Christ has done and what He's given us, I believe the what the heck is going to be less and less and less of our lives. And we had to go through, and I'm not saying we're there yet, we're a constant work. We're a constant clay work of the Lord. Constantly. Until we go to heaven. But I believe that's also part and partial where we went through a couple of seasons together. And why we will in future go through seasons together. Because you know what? I wrote down here, clay finds its highest purpose when it remains pliable. You can have a great purpose and you can be quite cool in, in, in the culture. And you, can, you can be Steve Stunning. Um, but the bottom line is, if you play, stay pliable in the hands of, of the Lord, I believe you're going to reach the highest purpose. Our lives fulfill their highest purpose when we let our potter have his way with us. If he has his way with us. Now, just a quick testimony. In um, 2007, 8 about, Lord said to my wife and I, pack up and go. And we were like, okay, Lord, that sounds good. You said that to Abram. That's, that's biblical, let's do it. But where are we going? And so we had a heart for just a toned down lifestyle, not, um, not in the rat race. And so we believed if we moved to the countryside in South Africa, an uh, area called Ribiak Castile, 
Um, they will know that quite well. Then we will find the Lord there because He's spoken to us. And then we will go to Marmersbury, and because God has spoken to us, obviously revival will come to the place because God had spoken to us. And so after couple of months we sold our flat in Cape Town and uh, we left. We didn't find the job that, that, that we wanted or I didn't find the job there that I wanted but I moved in faith because God had spoken to me and I'm going to change Malmesbury. And so Edna left her uh, employment as a teacher because she was uh, pregnant with Frida and, um, and we moved to Malmesbury because we're going to change this place. And so we rocked up in Malmesbury and a couple of months later who, rem- who remembers the um, the, I almost said revival, no, not yet. Um, what was it called? The financial drop that came in about 2000 recession, 2008, 2009-ish. Financial crisis, thank you, Anne, that sounds much better. The financial crisis that happened in that year. And so now we're in Marmersbury, Edna had left a job. I have not found a job yet in this new place that God had sent us. I was commuting from Malmesbury to Tukai. Now, they will know that is quite a, quite a distance. I cried some mornings because I was following the Lord. I cried in Edna's car on the N7 now and again. But anyway, and so the recession hits, financial crisis, thank you, hon. And then I, got, uh, oh, I lost my job. I got retrenched. Very friendly way. He actually knows my boss from way back. And here we are in Marmersbury without employment and a kid. And you're like, okay, Lord, did I miss the cue somewhere? And Jeremiah 18 comes, comes to mind. You don't have to, to fly to thanks, thanks, you know, that's fine. But then I'm confronted with, with, with this, this problem or, or this dichotomy or, or issue of who is the potter and who is the clay. And so... Then a, a series of, of, of events takes place in our hearts. And as we thought, we're going to bring revival to this place. After five years there and three and a half years without real income, the Lord had actually took, uh, took us there to come and revive our hearts. And so what happened is in a clay-like manner, and it wasn't easy, but God is gracious. And this I can testify to you. He didn't do it in a hard way. He did it in a loving way. Taking us from day to day, providing from day to day, but making scripture true, not culture. Culture says, I needed to have that job, I needed to have X amount as an income, I needed to have this and that status so that the culture can accept me. I needed all of this stuff. And he said, No, you needed my word. Don't forward an email with Matthew 6 scriptures in, live it. Let it become flesh in your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. It's got enough trouble today. I will provide. And so it's a, it's a nice thing, as I said, to copy and paste or to like on Facebook. It's another thing for three and a half years to say, no, let me mold you. Come on. Let me just take out those bubbles. And you're not knowing what the heck is happening. You're thinking, God hates me. He's totally forgotten about it. So I lost my job. I said no to, I think, two to three opportunities in that time because he said no. It was tough. It was a weird situation to be in and it didn't make any sense. It was messy, as clay can be messy. And so through that stage, I just realized one thing is that more than the clay, more than the process, there was a beauty of getting to know the hands. There was a beauty of getting to know the hands of God. Because the clay didn't make sense, it was formless. What was happening in our lives, we couldn't see the end from the beginning. We were in the mess. But what was, let me do this, 
what was close to us was the hands of God. Did we miss it? Did we sin? Yeah, obviously we sinned and missed it in between. I'm not saying we were this perfect vessel being formed by the Lord. But what I'm saying is that in that process, in the fire you go through, in the molding process, His hands is close. You get to know the hands. And today, I believe that the bottom line is the question before our hearts door this morning is, do you trust the hands? Do you trust the hands of the potter? Even though the clay in the form of the clay does not make sense in the time. And so that was a, a beautiful, easy season that we had to go through with the Lord. And there's millions of testimonies. I wrote down every single cent. Every single way that God supernaturally came through. We sold both our cars, by, by the way. So in our culture, in South Africa, at that stage, it was well-known fact that you can very easily have a home and two cars and two jobs. And a dog. That's, that's part of culture. And so we didn't have any of that. I had a, a, a small bike. Almost like a puchy. That's also a bit, a bit of a South, African, a South African thing. And so God came and he just stripped away a lot of stuff. We went thinking that we're going to see a certain vessel being formed. A certain work of redemption being done by the Lord. But meanwhile back at the ranch he said, no, I'm dealing with your heart. And so he did. And so... Coming back to Jeremiah 18 and coming back to what can this mean for you? Is is that I believe that Jesus wants to reveal and Jesus will reveal the hands of God to us. And only he can truly reveal the true potter to us. Just quickly, why do I say that? Let's move on. Please to number three, our potter. Now, we're saying to each other God is sovereign. To some of us, you might get a like a... Like a weird feeling where you're like, mm, I'm not sure. It's, it's either offensive to the flesh um, or it doesn't culturally make sense to me, but I hear you. But give me a chance because I believe Christ wants to just break it open for us. If I look at Jeremiah 18 or if you should take it today and make it your own, what is the foundation? What is the standing, the place from which you're going to look at Jeremiah 18? It's from a place called the New Covenant Dispensation. Do you, we all know what that means. What does it mean? It just means the following. It just means that when I interpret Scripture, when I look at Scripture and I apply it prophetically to my own life and it's in the Old Testament, I need to make sure I've got, Tom's got glasses on. I need to make sure I've got the right glasses on when looking at Scripture. And what dispensation are we at the moment? We are in a new covenant dispensation. What are we celebrating this weekend? We are celebrating the fact that Christ has already died. And He is already risen. We're not waiting for it. It has already happened. And we have faith in Him. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, I believe, reveals the hands of God to us now. Is Jeremiah 18 still applicable to my life? Yes, absolutely. But when I look at Jeremiah 18, I must not forget Jesus. Because only Jesus can reveal the fullness of God, God the Father and who He is. Let's look at Scripture. John 17, 25 to 26 says the following, Father, You are the one who is good. The world does not know You, but I know You. It was so, unfortunately, so, so true this week, getting on public transport the whole time, looking around, not judging, but realizing the world does not know You. So many people do not know you. There was a rawness, there was a cry this morning even. For those that do not know the Lord. Let this not just flight us, flight our hearts or, or pass our hearts this morning. And these people know that you sent me. Listen up. 
I showed them what you are like. So in the process where God is speaking to me and maybe even today speaking to you, Christ says, but just let me remind you of what the Father is like. Let me just remind you. I showed them what you are like. And again, I will show them what you are like. Then they will have the same love that you have for me. And I will live in them. What does this mean, practically, Ritif? It means that if Zoe should go down the road to the potter's house, not alone, but with supervision, there will be a guy sitting at the wheel, making something out of clay. Zoe might have a look and realize, but... She doesn't know the hands of that guy. She might know it's a potter. Yet if she goes, goes back home and Hercules gives her a hug and he takes a piece of her clay, which she, no, it's not clay, it's something else. It's very colorful, but it's putty. He takes a piece of her putty and he, he starts playing with it. She will immediately realize and acknowledge and know the hands. The hands that have loved her, the hands that have disciplined her, the hands that have fed her. The hands that are close and the hands that are not far. And I believe like Zoe, God is this morning saying, yes, even though you sometimes get into messy clay-like seasons, where things doesn't look the way you thought it would look, do you acknowledge, do you see, do you realize the hands you are in? Like Zoe knows her own dad's hands, do you know the hands of God the Father? Only Christ, I can't, no sermon can ever do that, but Christ can reveal the hands to you. Christ has been given the grace to reveal the Father in His fullness. Today we're speaking about hands, but it's, it's much bigger than that. But will you, in a messy situation, will you in a Marmersbury season, will you between a rock and a hard place, say, Jesus, this might suck, this might be difficult, I don't see the, the future, but will you show the sovereign loving hands of God to me in this situation? I usually want to see what it's going to look like. Okay, so what's the pot going to be? Is it a pot? Is it a pan? What are you making? Ask Edna. I'm like, I'm like a fox terrier. That's the type of dog that does not let go. I'm like that. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? The whole time with the Lord. Yet, you just, you're not, you're not going to know what it's going to be, but you can trust my hands. You can get my son to reveal my hands to you and know that they are good hands. Even with the cross that we celebrate this week, just imagine, imagine for that mother, the torment of the mother thinking, what is happening? Here my son is dying. But God the potter was busy there. And because of that amazing potter work, that amazing work that God did on the cross, and the mere fact that Jesus rose again, we're sitting here today and we're sharing the gospel. And the sacrifice, and nobody knew, nobody could see at that moment what he was forming, what he was doing. Still yet, what he did form, we are enjoying today. Now, if you don't believe me, I guess you'll believe John Piper. So let's quickly look at an article that he wrote. Just two things about when I look at Old Testament scripture and apply it, but from a New Testament specs, looking through Christ. He said, and I'm just quoting two of the four things that he said in the article. You can go read, look it up or Google it. He said, all the scriptures bear witness to Christ. All scripture bear witness to Christ. Moses wrote about Christ. We all know this. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. If you believe Moses, you believe me. 
for he wrote of me. And so even I believe in looking at the pot and the clay, God is sovereign. We don't take anything back away from the message in context. Nothing whatsoever. But we also realize that that was a part of God and then Christ came to fulfill. He opened up and he said, yes, as a potter deals with his clay, so likewise God still deals with us. But there is a place where I believe God is now also a father with loving hands dealing with children. Us being his children. The second thing that John Piper there said is, all the scriptures about Jesus Christ, even where there is no explicit prediction, that is, there is fullness of implication in all scripture that points to Christ and is satisfied only when he come, he has come and done his work. And so the scripture gets satisfied. And then the meaning of all scriptures is unlocked by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so this morning I believe God is unlocking. Unlocking what he has done. And he can unlock so that we can realize it's the trusted hands of God that is busy and at work sovereignly in our lives, in our church community, in this nation even. I, I know two years back when I was here, I was so confronted by the many unbelievers. Or what I've foreseen as, as many unbelievers around me. I just realized, Lord, but what is going on? And even in that moment, I need to remind myself, who is Jesus Christ? And what is these hands that are sovereignly at work in this nation? And also realize that I need to humble myself and realize I don't have the full picture. I'm not seeing the end from the beginning. We were living at Cape Town before the Lord had moved us out to Marmishby. One evening I was going to the bathroom and I, I didn't want to pray a normal prayer, but for some other reason I asked God, how are you? Just like, Lord, how are you? Have you ever asked God how he's doing? I don't think he's complaining about the weather ever, but um, have you ever asked God how are you? Apparently not. Do yourself a... <laughs> do yourself a hint. What is it in English? <laughs> do yourself a favor. Hallelujah. Thank you. And just have conversations with God now and again. Long story short, I asked God, God, how are you? And I just hear, heard in my spirit, sensed, not an audible voice, but just sensed in my spirit, brilliant. It's like clearly as daylight, immediately, brilliant. I was a bit confused, to be honest. I'm like, Lord, have you seen the world and the state the world is in? Have you seen church sometimes and the state it is in? Have you seen me and the state I'm in? Yet you say you're brilliant. Now, obviously, don't build your theology on what I heard going to the bathroom way back in Cape Town. Go read the scriptures. But what the Lord didn't then just dropped in my heart is that he said, I know the end from the beginning. I know how all of this is going to end. And immediately it stirred such a faith in my heart. And I want to say that even in your clay-like tests, even in, 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 in moving out and thinking, Lord, but it seems like a mammoth task. All of those that need to come to salvation, Lord. In that moment, realize that he knows what he's got planned. He knows what he's doing. And he's got faithful hands. Hands that Christ obviously revealed to us. Matthew eleven twenty seven. before we move on. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. I want the Son to reveal God the Father to me daily. More and more and more. Do you share that hunger? 
Because in that we will get to know the hands. Because the hands that took Christ to the cross was also the hands that raised Christ from the dead. It's also the hands that led each and every one of us to salvation. It was the same hands that called Noah to say, hey, be weird, build a boat. Because through this I will save all the nations through you. It is the same hands that said to Mary on her way to just do her daily tasks, already um, ready engaged for marriage. Life all sorted out. Had an angel appear to you and say, hey, you're going to be the son of God. The spirit of the Lord will come over you. And what was the reply? Let it be to me according to your will. It is the same hands that saw Saul persecuting the church. Even letting people be stoned for the fact that they had followed the way, Christ. And he said, no, my hands will form Paul that will write many a part of the New Testament. Do you still believe the loving hands of God? Do you still believe what those hands can do and form in you and through you? And those hands that will bring a roar and gives a roar to its people. Not to be seen, but to love and to shift the ways of darkness and bring forth the light. What do you remember of the Lord's hands in your life? Do you remember? You have testimonies. Do you? By the show of hands. Do you have testimonies of where His hands came through in in situations where you didn't know what to do. You guys do. Awesome. Milani work. Do we remind ourselves of where his hands came through time and time and time and again? So Jesus revealed to us, thank you that you revealed to us the hands of God again. Being in control. Being sovereign. But not far off, even as a potter, but even closer in the new covenant dispensation as a good father. Saying, I'm busy, don't you worry. You just, you just healed. You just surrender. Try to keep your heart soft. Who's ever struggled with keeping the heart soft? It's quite difficult to do sometimes. Amen. But there's a place where humility, man, just breeds true authority. Where the Lord can just come and do His thing. The second leg before we finish, and that is, God is speaking to me, and maybe to some of some of you, saying, "Hey, man, you need to be clear, like healed it, surrendered in my hands. My hands are sovereign. I am in control. I'm busy with something amazing, but you need to trust me." And you might say, "But it's quite difficult to be clay. Life is tough, and I get knocked around by many other things. It's tough to stay clay." But there's encouragement for you as well. Jesus Christ was, I believe, the perfect clay. John 6.38 says the following, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me. I want to repeat that. I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. Man, that's such clay-like heartedness. And then the epitome, I believe, on this weekend of love and clay-likeness, yieldedness. It was not done by the flesh alone, but or any of us was done by Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe, and I believe a brother referred to that this morning, because he did that, he said, I'm going to enable you guys to follow me clay-like. I'm going to be, I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to make my heart soft, I'm going to lay my life clay-like down so that you can do it.
And so religion might say, oh, you have to, you have to. But we can say Christ was the perfect clay. How how did you do that? We didn't do anything special, especially concerning that, that, that season we were in. It was because Christ had been clay before us. That is, Christ-like clayness can be perfected in us. Let's quickly read there. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me. There's sometimes a cup and a cross for all of us. Not sometimes, I'm lying. There's always a cup and a cross if you're truly following Christ. But it's never going to be as, as rough as it is. And we're always, going to, always and only going to be able to do that because he's already done the following. He said, yet not as I will, but as you will. Saying, Clay-like, I'm in your hands. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples and found them what? Interceding. Worshipping. No, no, unfortunately not. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour, he asked. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We said that to each other today. He went away and the second time he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Do, do you see that? He's saying yes. For, for the nations. For us. And for those to come. I'm willing. It's tough. But I'm willing because I know these hands. These are not only hands of a potter. These are hands of a father. These are hands of a father that knows the end from the beginning. These are the hands of the father that knows what he's doing. Even though we cannot see and we don't understand. That's a tough place to be sometimes, but it's a liberating place. Scripture in the New Covenant with the New Testament says to us in John, For if you will lose your life, you will find it. And that's still true today. It wasn't only true for Christ, but it's true for all of us. It's not on the board, but it goes on even a third time then in verse 44. He says, so he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Three times. Three times he says, I'll be the clay. Not my will, but your will be done. You're sovereign. From this comes life. From what you're doing and redoing. I'm not a theologian. I've not read too many commentaries about this. But I won't be surprised if the second pot that Christ was, that God was making as the potter in Jeremiah 18 weren't referring to Christ himself. He had a plan with Israel. But then he came and he said, Yes, my son, Christ Jesus, the pot that will feed all nations to come forever and ever. The clay that said yes three times, even though it was not easy. We attain that through faith. Three things I I believe the Lord wants to encourage us with this morning, very simply. Is do you know the hands of the potter in your life as the hands of a loving father? Yeah, I've heard it. It's a bit of a cliche. But do you know when the going gets tough, when the heat is on, do you know that you're close to the hands of a loving father? 
I've said this at home a couple of times, and I and I just realized the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is is not understanding. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is is not control. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is not comfort. What does this world, what does this culture want me to, to have? It wants me to say, hey, Ritifa, you're in control of your life. Do you understand what you're doing with your life? And are you, Ritifa, are you okay? Are you quite comfortable there? Well, I wasn't quite comfortable on Friday, but that's not really a sacrifice compared to what Christ has done. But the fruit of the Spirit is not understanding everything. Who's ever been in a season that they don't understand anything or everything? Hallelujah! Got a couple of Christians here. That's awesome. Not always being comfortable. No. Not having control about all of the stuff. I guess that was quite nerve-wracking part in Marmersby. You're not in control of anything. Let alone your finances. Having a hundred rand. What's a hundred rand? It's like six pounds. Like six pounds on the 15th of the month. Saying, okay, look, Jesus, what now? I can't budget this. You don't budget six pounds in the middle of the month. No, you walk by faith. Hallelujah. You say, well, I'm clay. I can't see the end of the month from the beginning. I'm a messy clay, but I'm in good hands. That might be a financial. Your, your cross might not be in that area. Your challenge might not be there, but there will be one. But you're in the hands of a good father. Secondly, the clay that has paid the highest, yielded price, is the clay that we follow, Jesus Christ. He did it in Gethsemane. He went to the cross. We saw it on Friday. He said, I'll be clay so that you can be clay. I will yield. Being God and man, but I will yield my life. I will humble myself, even though I don't have to, at all, so that you'll be empowered to do this. And lastly, I believe the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. Romans 8, 11 says, And the Spirit of Him that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. When he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lived in you. Let's be a people that's known for love. Known for love, why? Because we believe and we know the the hands and we trust the hands of God in our lives. Even though things do not make sense. Even though we don't understand everything, we pursue heart after Him in an intimate relationship with Him as a loving Father. Will you stand with me, Laura, and if you won't mind just flowing with me in the Spirit. Thank you. As I said, we might not always have control, understanding, or comfort, but what the the Word of God promises us through His Spirit, through the Spirit of Christ, is that we'll have peace. We'll have peace. And the fruit of the Spirit is faith. Just with all eyes closed this morning, um, thank you, Father God, that uh, you've given us your Word. Thank you for your powerful word, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the prophets. Thank you, Father God, for the gospels. Thank you, Christ, that you come and reveal your Son. Oh, Christ, that you come and reveal the Father to us. Thank you, Christ, that you are just in the season you're revealing again God's faithful hands to me. It's hands of love. It's hands of discipline. It's hands that lead, but it's also Father hands of love. 
Yeah, just with eyes closed, and if if you're saying, or if you're in a space this morning where you when you're asking God, I so want to, and I I get the theology about uh, about this and behind this, but it's not a reality yet, Lord. I want to be in a space where I trust Your hands, no matter no matter what. I want to get to know Your hands through the Word and through testimony and testimonies of others. So that I can be in that, that clay-like place. You just simply raise your hand and say, Lord, help me with this. Just say, Lord, that's for me. I want to get to know the hands. Before I worry about what you're making, where we're going, what you're doing, I want to get to know the hands. That's it. I want to get to know the hands. Christ, the Word says, only did what He saw the Father doing and only said what He heard the Father saying. That's kind of being close to the hands. And so, Lord, thank you. We just lift up these hands to you and say, Lord, we just want to know and get to know the trusted hands of God. That's it. Firstly and foremostly, let us feel your touch. Be close to your word. And Christ, you're the only one. You're the only one that is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nobody else that can fully and truly reveal to us the hands of the Father. Jesus, reveal to us, please, again, afresh, where we need it, in all areas of our lives. The hands of the Father, the hands of the true potter, the great potter, the sovereign potter. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you for that, Lord. And then just secondly, as Johan said earlier, if clay gets hard and cracked, we run into trouble. Um, Even if there's an area in your life where the clay is not that soft anymore, it's not that pliable anymore. So Fisu said, it's, the water of the Spirit is not flowing over that part of the clay anymore. And it's, it's not that easy, easily pliable and mendable by the Lord. If there's an area in your life, you just say, Lord, I want to surrender that. Just maybe, just because it's a, it's a good thing just to acknowledge in the Spirit. Just raise your hand and say, and you know what it is. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, that's what I want to give you. Help me with that. Holy Spirit, help me with that area of my life to be a soft pliable clay because the fullness of God will be seen through that thank you Father thank you Holy Spirit you know the cries of the hearts you know what you want to do and the areas that we're confessing and the areas that we're laying down in Jesus name thank you Father God and lastly thank you Holy Spirit just for encouraging us you are the comforter you're the spirit of the hands you're the spirit of Jesus Christ you're the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the spirit of resurrection, but you are also the spirit that lives inside of us. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just hang a couple of seconds. Let's just hang in this place with the Lord. Lots has been said. just clearly hear the words repeated I am I am I am I am I am thank you Father God that you are the great potter you are the great I am Lord and whatever is shouting I am in this world to us thank you that you quiet those voices as we humble our hearts and place our clay likeness and our clay like lives back into your loving hands in Jesus name thank you Father all God's people said Amen, Amen afterwards, after we've done communion um, 
I'll be here. I'll, I'd love to pray with you. If there's an area, maybe it's a, a word of disencouragement or prophecy that you need, we're going to trust the Lord together. So I'll be somewhere in a corner. Please come and pray with me. Um, otherwise, amen. Should I lead you? Thanks, Ratif. Um, before he reads um, to us just the scriptures, I want to just say to you this morning, you know, one thing that God has spoken to me so many times in the past is, don't just follow my hands, follow my heart. And uh, I want to say to you this morning, you know, the, the beautiful thing of, of what's being said this morning is, you need to know the heart of the Father in, in, in order to experience His hands the right way. His sovereignty can only work in your life if you understand His heart. If He reveals Himself to you in such an intimate way that you, uh, you know that it's for your good. <laughs> and I think many Christians don't know actually the goodness of the Father. They only experience Him as the, the sovereign Father. And the harshness of that is the fact that uh, you and I find ourselves at a place of honesty, where um, in times of, of uh, needing His comfort, we uh, really need to delve in deep to actually get to that hard part. <laughs> and that is my, my heart's cry to you this morning is, Abba Father is a loving God. He's a father that is so committed to you. There's no earthly father that can even supersede what God wants to do in your life. And there's places that we as Christians so often run to human people even to find our comfort. And this morning, Abba Father comes to us and he says to us, My child, I love you enough that you need to surrender. That you need to trust me. I want to walk this road with you. So let's stand before God and in honesty, just surrender to, to the one that matters most, Jesus, the one who knows how to surrender. Jesus, your picture of surrendering to the Father is way more than what we can offer. We realize that there's no ways that we can even live blameless lives. There's no ways that we can come up to the standard of sacrificial lives than what you've shown us. But this morning, Christ, we choose to surrender even to our own.